Welcome into ATL Day Ones with Jarvis and Tanitra. Coming up on today's show, me thinks the Falcons are lining up for best player available. And I have to say, I know we said no expectations, but you know what? We had expectations, and now we're big mad that they weren't met. And last but not least, and for the culture, we are talking comedic battles on your favorite tv show that's all coming up next right here on atl day ones let's go baby don't go anywhere this is atl day ones part of locked on sports atlanta and it starts now I want to start by saying thank you for making ATL Day Ones your first listen of the day. Remember, we are free and available wherever you download your podcast and wherever you download your podcast. Make sure that you leave us a five-star review. Really appreciate that from you in advance. Today's episode of ATL Day Ones is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on today to get started. But T, when you think about the moves that the Falcons have made and they've been making a lot and things have kind of slowed down because, you know, free agency starting to wind down. You're starting to get into the private workouts with the NFL draft coming up here pretty soon, almost a little bit over a month away right now. I know you Falcons fans are can't wait and I can't wait and Tanisha can't wait as well. But um, they signed. Jermaine Effetti to a one-year deal. Obviously, this is different from last year because coming into last season, there were some rumors or some conversations about he may be competing for a spot with Caitlin McGarry. But, you know, Caitlin McGarry did what he did. He got paid. But uh, the Falcons saw some value in bringing back Jermaine Effetti as a backup. But when you think about the depth that the Falcons have now, T., and just looking at the overall roster, all of the signings, do you feel like this is lining up for the Falcons not to be desperate at any particular spot and say, you know what, at eight, whoever falls to us, that's who we're going to take as far as who's on our, at the top of our board? I could see that. I could see that because a Jermaine Effetti signing gives you depth at right tackle. It gives you somebody who says, hey, if for some reason – Caleb McGarry goes down for a game or two or because, I mean, 17 games is indeed a long season. You have indeed. someone who not only is a veteran and has had a full season of starts back when he was with the Bears. Ultimately speaking, he's also a guy who knows the system so he can fit right in there and be a compliment to Chris Lindstrom and keep everything going smoothly on that O-line. So I like that as the most recent example of a signing that says, hey, we're shoring things up so that, like you said, there won't be any desperation at the eighth spot. However, I also still feel like this is going to be the perfect storm of best player available and need because C.J. Stroud at Ohio State's Pro Day yesterday had a great yes, pro day, right? Absolutely. And so yes. you're still kind of looking at him, Anthony Richardson, Will Levitz, Bryce Young. Those four names stay rising to the top, like they stay at the top. And so if they go off the board, I just believe at eight, or like I keep saying, if they happen to creep up to seven or six and they don't have to give up a whole heck of a lot, I do believe that it's going to be a combination of, yes, the best player available, but the best player available will still be the number one need that they have, yeah. a pass rusher. Yes, absolutely. And I know you don't want to hear this, T. Don't be surprised if a cornerback is sitting right there waiting for him, the best one in the draft, yeah. Christian Gonzalez. I would not be yes. surprised if he's yes. 
get snatched up right there because when you think about yeah. the signing of Mike Hughes, he may be able to slide it to go into that nickel spot. And, you yeah. know, you got D offered right there, mm-hmm. waiting in the wings to kind of do some things right there as well. So, right. and I don't see uh, Cornell Armstrong, you know, fighting for yeah. that position. And then, you know, you got Casey Hayward. He's right. been in the league for over 10 years. Mm-hmm. He went down with an injury last year. Yeah. You got to prepare yourself for, for that backup. But like you yeah. said, we are going with the Tanitra mantra on this show. Yeah. And we're going to stick to that. We're going to stick to the script because Edge Rutcher is definitely – where they need to go at that a spot but t one thing that i thought that was really interesting right you know um you know you know as a former 1990 game person and you know you you are currently there as well mike garofalo has some very interesting comments to say about the falcons um meeting with calais campbell we talked about that potentially happening yesterday but i think garofalo had made some comments that make you say Hmm, that even make it more similar to that 2016 season. The Falcons are on the up, right? Terry, uh, Terry Fontenot, Arthur Smith, they're, they're, they're building things for the long haul, and they're starting to get some pieces in place. That visit, you know, surprised me, but I said, you know what, I could see how he'd want to be part of something that's coming up with a, a really good defensive line. And, of course, Mike Garofolo, he of the NFL Network, he joined our guys on the morning shift over at 92.9 the game today and I thought that was a really good comment from him and a compliment if you will he broke the news earlier in the week that Calais Campbell was taking the visit with the Falcons right but what he's basically saying is you have Super Bowl contenders out there who are still in need of a guy who had five and a half sacks last year right right Mm -hmm. and yet Campbell is considering the Falcons so you had mentioned a conversation that you had in questions with Mac Hollins, right? Mm-hmm. And part of that was asking him why he's coming here. His answer was basically because this seemed like a place where he could fit. He liked the vibe. He liked the flow. And, of course, the Falcons liked the character. I think mm-hmm. Calais Campbell is a guy who not only has the character and who could probably like the flow of the Falcons, but more importantly, a veteran who's a borderline Hall of Famer that could consider a Super Bowl team, but is considering the Falcons. To me, that says that he and maybe some other veterans in the league who are of that top echelon look at the Falcons and say, hey, they are building something there that while it may not be Super Bowl ready this season, I think I can help them get there. And I think that that's a place that I could potentially be because I see them. I see them trending up. So I I really like the fact that he's even taking the visit with the Falcons and what that could mean in the short term of free agency. But also, as we always say, is this a place that's a free agent destination when you snag Guys like Calais Campbell, if they do, then the answer becomes yes, it is. Well, you're talking about two two words that come to mind, T, culture and competitiveness. When you're talking about Hollins as far as liking the culture and, and seeing where a place where you can go, and then you talk about competitiveness, like, hey, the Falcons are on the up. Terry Fontenot and Arthur Smith are doing some things. They're, they're getting it together right down here in Atlanta. And that's what we all that's all that's all we want, T. We yes. want you to be on the up and up, on the come and not Seven to ten, seven to ten, seven to ten, seven to ten. So we want to see some some growth in year three under this regime. Now, speaking of growth and a regime, the Alex Anthopoulos regime for the Atlanta Braves have been amazing. Like, yeah, World Series in twenty twenty one. You know, and all these young cats that they sold up for the next five or six years. T, we're gonna see the same team pretty much run out there on opening day, pretty much, uh, pretty much for the next six or seven years easily. So. When, um, but the news of this week, as far as who's going to be the starting shortstop 
with Orlando Arcia, you know, kind of touched me a little way. So, but you know, our uncle Ron, Ron Washington, the guy that was working with Von Grissom, who's allegedly in the league for that particular position, talked about trusting the process. And I thought that was kind of interesting because, you know, a lot of times as, you know, fans and and, and people who cover, you know, these professional teams, you like, you kind of get your favorites and you try to feel, try to feel things out and say, okay, this how this should work. But from a manager's managerial standpoint, a coaching standpoint, you kind of look at things and say, okay, I'm not necessarily concerned with the end result, but I want to see how this things plays out. They more thinking long-term from a depth standpoint, you know, Adrianza was mentioned as a name that they wanted to keep around. So, with him being the utility guy and Orlando Arcia being the shortstop, it made sense, right? So, but is that enough, though? Is that enough of an explanation to say, hey, here's who we're going with because we have so we were so all winter long that, hey, this is going to be the guy. All you got to do is get with Uncle Ron down in New Orleans and everything's going to be okay. I think it is enough of an explanation, and I do believe that Vaughn Grissom is probably still the guy, maybe a little more 1A and 1B than it was about three months ago, but I do think he's still the guy. I believe we're going to see him in the starting lineup sooner rather than later. I think I just think that at this point to start the season, they're just going with the solid guy, and the solid guy just happens to be Orlando Arcia. So, yeah, I totally understand. This is acceptable to me because, again, it's the bigger picture of – Nine times out of 10, Alex Anthopoulos' organization makes the right call. So if that's what Brian Snicker, Ron Washington and company felt was the right thing to do, I'm going to go with, hey, there may have just been one thing that they didn't see. Maybe it was Grissom and his fielding just needs to be a little bit better. Maybe it was Braden Shoemake and his time time at the plate or time at the bat. Maybe it just needs to be a little bit better. You don't need to have a ramp up in either space for Arcia. I think that's why they went with him in the beginning, but I don't think that's where they're in the season. Yeah, I definitely don't see Arcia being the starter at that spot for the entire season. I just don't see that happening. Um, Now, a little quick nugget. We talked about this towards the end of uh, the the beginning of the show yesterday as well. Michael Soroka made his uh, appearance tee. You know, all is well. Like, I think uh, when you you have a – the manager of Brian Snicker going out to the mound, you know, to take the ball from Michael Soroka. If he says, hey, I felt good, I think that's kind of what you all you're asking for when you're talking about a, a guy a guy like Michael Soroka getting out there. And he's they said that he's um going to pitch again next week against the Boston Red Sox before the Grapefruit League is out. So I think all is well, right? That may have been the most encouraging thing, the fact that we're going to see him again next week. And he walked off that mound with no injuries. One in the third innings, 95 velo. I think that's pretty darn good. One earned run, one unearned run, thanks to Yahiri Adrianza's error in, in, yes. the, uh, in the field. But other than that, yeah, nice solid outing. You get 36 pitches, you get 20 strikes, you strike somebody out. I'm going to go with that's a good outing. Absolutely. You know what else could be a good outing? How about this? If you jump on that fanduel.com slash locked on bandwagon, what are you waiting on? It's March Madness. It's going down. So every, you, you you might need to go and get on the bandwagon. It's going down tonight. What, the Sweet 16 gets ready to get started? So, hey, I need you to jump in. Get in on that thing because guess what? For all the new customers, they got the no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back. 
if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sports app right now because it's safe, it's secure, and it's super easy to use. You don't have to worry about the flu gaziness. You know, I know T loves that word. <laughs> so that means no funny stuff, no funny business for all my people up in uh, Duluth. So, you know, hey, we got you right here. They got you covered right here on um, FanDuel.com. Now, you can bet the money lines, the spread, the total. You can get in on this thing, and you can uh, combine your best for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. So here's what I want you to do. Don't miss out on the no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets back when you go FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. So the Hawks were on a back-to-back Wednesday, headed up to Minnesota, looking to avenge a loss over a week ago. And it was a blowout loss to the Wolves, by the way. And they had some things, some very important things on the line, right? They were looking at what the Heat were going to do, the Bulls were going to do last night, as well as the Raptors, because it's so tight right in that six, seven, eight, ninth space, right? So Mm -hmm. prime opportunity for the Hawks to make some things happen and, you know, just get back to one of the three things they've been doing 26 games. They went in 500 so they could go back above 500 or one below 500. This is a dance we've been doing for about 26 games here and counting, yes. right? Looking good. Go, slowly but surely, it's like, okay, yeah, you're out. DeJounte Murray's out. You know, Jalen Johnson, it was his fourth game out. So you're thinking, okay, that's kind of a hindrance especially because Carl Anthony Towns is coming back, right? But then you also know that Anthony Edwards isn't playing. So the Hawks were treading along and moving along 11 points, and we're thinking, okay, until about that eighth minute in the fourth quarter. And it went from an 11-point lead with a 19-4 run from the Wolves that pretty much deaded this thing, and we know the result. 125, 124, the final. And yes, you can talk about what happened and answer the question, DeAndre Hunter's bad three happened. But Jarvis, there were so many moments in that game. So many moments. Now, I'm going to tell you, we usually talk good, bad, and ugly when it gets to situations like that. So Jarvis, if I can take the lead on that one, I'm going to go ugly first. Let's just get it out of the way. Then we'll go bad, but we'll be nice to Hawks Nation, and we're going to end up with the good. So, okay, Travis, let's get the ugly out of the way. What is it for you? Woo, it got to be those turnovers by Trey Young in the fourth quarter. It was ugly. Like, I was just like, what are you doing? Like, just careless with the basketball. Like, and it wasn't him, too. I add Mr. Microphone as well. He was was careless with the ball. I was just like, what are you doing? So goofy sometimes when he's handling the basketball and he gets it in his hands. It's just like he doesn't know what to do with it. But, yeah, I have to, you know, give most of the blame to to Trey Young when it comes to those turnovers because that, when you just look up and down, like the boss score at the end of the night, he was like, okay, well, where did they lose this game? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and if you didn't watch that game you and you go down and look at the boss score, you'd be like, hmm, turnovers. Yeah. Points off a turnover. Hmm, 24. There you go. Like those are some of the things that you cannot have. You can't have those type of things late in games, especially when it's tight. And especially when you had a double digit lead with 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 less than 10 minutes to go into the in the game in the in the fourth quarter. So those are some of the things that just really burn burn my brownies, as uh, oh, one of my former colleagues used to say. And um right. I probably don't need to say it again, but <laughs> uh but, Thanks, D. I appreciate you. I always keep your boy in check. But uh, and an- and another thing too, as far as with, with Trey, and it just defensively, like the Timberwolves was like, 
Who's that? whoever trades Garden, like that's who we're gonna get a rock. Tori and Prince out here, ISO, like get out the way, like Mike. I'm just like, wait a minute, what is going on right. here? Tori and Prince. I'm like, T TP out here. Nah, I know he he got buckets the other night shooting threes or whatever, but goodness gracious, just ISO ISO Joe, like you know what I'm saying? I don't, I just it just it was just kind of ugly as you're going down the fourth quarter, and I was sitting there watching it with my wife, and she was just like, I can't watch this. I already know what the end result going to be. I was like. <laughs> <sighs> thanks thanks for uh, being my inner good like I normally feel. <laughs> right. And since you went with the ugly of the turnovers and what can happen, you can't give them 24 points off 17 turnovers when all you get is 11 points off 11 turnovers. I'm going to give my ugly to, you know, my favorite term, lack of basketball IQ. <sighs> How in the world do you have 3.6 seconds on the clock and have three plays drawn up because you did have a timeout. And I love the timeout that Quinn Snyder called to challenge. I thought that was, that made sense to me. And that is why yeah, you hold yeah. a couple of timeouts towards the end as a game starts to tighten up. Indeed. But then you have the timeout, you drop three plays, 3.6 seconds, and you hastily inbound the ball and then get it back. And you heave up a three Deandre Hunter to yeah. me, that was ugly, and it was also ugly, and I get that A.J. Griffin only had four points. I get that. But if it's me and all I need is to get a shooter who's going to shoot, I got to take John Collins out. Like, I don't understand why the five that we're yeah. in were in. Yeah. And, and mainly him. <laughs> why are you in there? Yeah, like mainly him. Because at yeah. least if you have a Clint Capella, or even if you would have gone with an Onyeka Okongwu, you've got enough presence in the paint to be able to do a tip-in or somehow if the ball just lands to them, you know, like a point blank range shot. But yeah, right. to me, that was the ugly lack of execution, kind of understanding the moment, situational basketball, basketball IQ, whatever you want to call it, that right. just went out the door. And that is why you continue to just be a 500 team that floats one game above 500 or one game below 500. Now, we'll go a little bit more positive. Maybe this is an ugly, ugly but maybe there was still some bad. What's the bad from last night? Bo missing that shot last night. I got to call him Bo for this particular moment because he had a, a clean look. T, I'm sitting up here like, dude. It was clean. Like, that, that's your shot. And it just came up short because it seemed like he kind of faded back right at the end. I was like, dude, that's why you missed that doggone shot. Because, you know, the jump shooters know, like, it's straight up and down, baby. Like, you got to you gotta get that last little push. And, you know, I know it's the fourth quarter. I know it's it's coming down to the wire. And, you know, it's, it's been a long season and everything. But you got to go that thing straight up and down with that one, T, because, you know, he tends to fade away on his mid-range shots. And, I, and that's fine. Because, you know, hey, the distance, you know, you can get that, get it up there. If you're a shooter, shooter's going to shoot. But when you're on that three-point, you got that bad boy lined up, all he had to do was just straight up and down. See, I think yeah. he would have knocked it down. But, yeah, that was a bad one for me. And I, I tweeted it out uh, at Jarvis D90, by the way, if you want to uh, partake. Um, I, I said that. I was like, man, Bo missed that shot. That was probably the game right there. Mm -hmm. They had the opportunity to go ahead and take that game, take them boys out of their misery. And they just won't able to take advantage. Yeah. And to me, I'm going to give the bad to the starters, the Hawks starters versus the Hawks bench, because okay. the bench and that and I'm kind of kind of segueing into my good, by the way. But yes, that, yeah, I'm going to give that to the starters, because why is it that I am looking at three point six seconds and wanting one, if not two of the starters out of the game? Why am I scratching my head saying why in the world are is Collins in there and maybe kind of sort of Hunter? 
that to me is still bad. Like I should yeah. have more than one starter outside of DeJounte Murray, who was out, who I can say, oh yeah, oh yeah. They got a good chance of winning this thing. But when DeAndre Hunter had the ball in his hands, I was like, oh no, no, please tell me that wasn't what they drew up. Yeah. And of course we find out that there were three plays. But yeah, to me, it was the starters because when one particular starter will go with, We'll go with Carl Anthony Towns. When Carl Anthony Towns needed to step up, whether you believe that that was an offensive foul or not, doesn't matter. When right, they put yeah. the ball in his hands with closing seconds Goofy. in the game, he Mr. delivered. He delivered. Yes, he did. I, he, did. he did. But yes. when our starter I'll was asked that, to yeah. deliver, he couldn't. And and starters, and not just DeAndre Hunter, because, hey, somebody could have been prepared for the rebound and the putback. Yeah. Nobody. Yeah. Nobody was there. On so that, I'm though, gonna give the bad on that. And on, on that as well, like can I add just a little a little a little bit more bad? And it's not necessarily <laughs> the Hawks' fault. Oh yeah. Come on, yeah. Let's pour it on, baby. Um but how about that to to the referees admitting after the game that Sadiq Sadiq Bay got fouled on that on the on the rebound. Yes. On that re- rebound yeah. play. And I'm just like, that's the thing about this whole, you know, I forgot, I forgot what they refer to it as, you know, after the after the game, you know, yeah. about certain the calls and everything. Report. The pool report. Like, where's the accountability? Like, yeah, yeah. you can admit that you missed the call. So, right. where's the accountability? Are you, the accountability? Are you, you get suspended fined? for a game? Do you get suspended? Or yeah. does this uh, is this a tally yeah. say, hey, you're not going to be able to uh, to uh, referee in the playoffs or something? Like, as if you're going to go public with it, it has to be yeah. some public type of accountability as yeah. well. I'm not saying they should fire the person, but. But golly, man, like that's potentially uh, uh, the, the reason why they lost the game. Now we know in a you know, in a vacuum, yeah, we can look at it from that standpoint. But it just from a from a, from a, a fairness standpoint of calling the game down the line throughout and the subjectivity of it, you know, I mean, objectivity of it, you have yeah. to be able to say, hey, like if it's a foul, it's a foul. Like if you're gonna be, if that's gonna be your 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 mantra. You know, as a uh, the referee, uh, as a coalition in the NBA, then you have to call that back. You have to call it because yeah. Sadiq Bay was sitting up on the ground like, dang, dude, right. you got it, mugged yeah. right now. Yeah. <laughs> but that goes to my point about why it was bad for the starters, because who gave you a chance if the referees hadn't taken it away? Who gave you a chance? Sadiq Bay. And so yeah. the good for me for that game was the bench mob. I'm, yeah. I'm I'm comfortable and confident calling them that again because that's what they were when they were at their best, not just the second unit, but they actually had a name. And when you look at the fact that they had 41 points, 41 points off the bench and primarily from Sadiq Bay and Anyaka Okongu, but nonetheless, 41 of those points. And then you look down the stat line and you see uh, 19 rebounds. That's pretty mm-hmm. cool. You see mm-hmm. four blocks between double O and A.J. Griffin, and even assists. They did a nice job of, of sharing the ball and spacing out 15 assists. So that, for me, was the good, the fact that at the right time, your second unit or your bench mob is coming together, and I really, really like that. And hopefully when Jalen Johnson returns, that's going to really round out the, the bench mob. Yeah, and that's that's some of the things that that you have to can have the, the the positive light for, right? That's yeah. the light. That's the light at coming down to the, uh, the end of the season because when you look at some of the guys that they brought in after the trade deadline, as far as Sadiq Bay, he's starting to be a real factor. And you know, sitting there watching the game, with my, the 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 straightforwardness of hot takeyness in the household. And that's my wife. She was like, I right, I like his game. I was like. 
yes, everybody can see this. The dude yes. plays some basketball, and I yes. think that this is going to be a sneaky trade that mm-hmm. people are going to look back on and be like, dang, Landry Fields is out here making moves. So, yeah. so yeah, that's the thing that I like. To, I like the fact that you know we've we've gave, given them their nickname back because we are the show of nicknames. We will give you a nickname. In a heartbeat, you know. I know people saw. I got some people hit me up on Twitter to talking about how they how much they like the uh, Mr. Microphone. So you know, I'm just gonna refer to him as Mr. Microphone going forward, right here on ATL Day Wins. But yeah, it's good to see that the bench is starting to finally contribute and, and establish themselves. Hey, we got an identity as well, and this is what we're gonna do each and every night. And that consistency is gonna be key going forward this year and next year as well. Now, you've heard us talk about our frustration with the referees and how it does essentially impact the game if you're not careful. I suspect that Locked On Sports Today might talk about it as well because at the end of the day, it's not just an issue against the Hawks. It's an issue across the league of accountability. So if you want to hear their reaction to bad calls and the like, or if you want to hear what they have to say about the Sweet 16 that kicks off tonight, check out Locked On Sports Today. And you know what's coming up next, right, for the culture. You can check out their version, which is Take of the Day. So again, you check us out on YouTube. That's where you can check them out as well. And you can also check them out wherever you listen to your podcast. That's Locked On Sports Today right after ATL Day Ones. Locked On Sports Atlanta family, listen up. We are well on our way. We're at 5,800 subscribers on YouTube. If you haven't joined the party, what in the hell are you waiting on? Like, I only do one hell per show, but I'm doing two today because I need you all support. We need you all support right here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. If you haven't subscribed to our YouTube channel, go there right now after or after the show you know, whatever your preference and hit that subscribe button and make sure if you're downloading our podcast leave us a five-star review that helps get the word out about what we got going on over here monday through friday but t this is for the culture it is the intersection between sports entertainment the culture and sometimes whatever the hell we want to talk about see that's number two and something today is no different you know what i mean when we talk about tv shows t like like specifically from the '90s, you know, you know, when I start really just locking in on like my favorite shows. One thing I always admire about comedies is the the antagonist, right? There's always a main character versus, you know, kind of like a little sidekick, and like they always joking back and forth with each other. And when you send this to, um, when you send this tweet to me, as far as you know, ranking them, like I thought this was an amazing list, and I'm super duper interested in where you may rank them now i'm gonna go ahead and list them like we're gonna start off with fred sanford versus esther you know you know that, that's that's a solid one old school um solid one martin versus pam and uh george jefferson versus florence and last but not least kyle versus maxine on living single t rank them so i will tell you that i have a bias an inherent okay. bias so nobody in the Whole of society will make me think otherwise. However, I know I have a bias and that's all I'm going to say. And I want to say for an honorable mention, because I constantly watch old school everything, an Mm -hmm. honorable mention could be to Good Times with Walona Woods and Bookman. Because that was a (laughs) come on now on good times honorable mention honorable mention. I had to just kind of throw them out there, and uh, you know she had barbs with James Evans as well. But boy, she just would get a one up on Bookman like nobody's business. Heck, the whole Evans family did too. But anywho, that's my that's my honorable mention. My number four 
is Kyle and Max. Oh my goodness. Okay. They were they were hilarious. I, I can't take anything from them. Like each episode, you just didn't know who was gonna one up whom, and you knew it was all about sexual tension at the end of the day. Of course, Absolutely. they end up yes. getting together in the end, and mm-hmm. it made me laugh because I can remember that's how it started with my high school boyfriend. Like mm-hmm. literally, I mean, this dude had jokes all the time because I was kind of like, you know, the nerdy girl. I was still cute, but I was a nerd. And he was kind of like the, I don't want to say, we're going to say average minded jock. I will not call him a dumb jock, but yeah, it was that okay. bantering back and forth <laughs> and that one up each other and such going off. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a Sinitra terror. No, no, I wouldn't say that about dude, but yeah. Sorry. And everybody was like, right. You know, you like him, right? Yeah. <laughs> You know you like her, right? And we were together yeah. for like three, four years. So, yeah, wow. I definitely respect and understand what, what was going on there. And then the tension between Martin and Pam, you always have in your girl crew a best friend that cannot stand your man. I got one right now. I don't have a man, but I got a best friend who still don't like my ex-man. So, like, there's always that one. And they go at it with each other low key, right? And so yeah. that's, to me, one of the classic banters. And like you said, really kind of pulled the old school into the new school. So Martin Lawrence and Martin and Pam didn't invent it, but they remixed and took it to a whole nother level, that banter between the man and and, and the best friend. Now, Mm -hmm. my second place is Fred Sanford and Esther because they truly invented it. In my opinion, they invented that back and forth. The originator, right, yeah. yeah. They were the originators. And and I love it to death because Lord, the fish eye fool and the Bible thumping that she did, she was a Bible thumping before Bible thumping was a thing. Yeah, no and doubt. He was yeah, no doubt. the ultimate heathen before a heathen was a thing. But the number one, because this is my all-time favorite show of all time, to the point where that ex boo actually bought me a subscription to a, a cable like one of those streaming services that plays the Jeffersons all day. I have all the episodes cataloged. So wow. <laughs> that's how much, yeah, that's wow. my favorite show. I watch it just about every night. My nephews will even say, Nanny, you're not watching the Jeffersons tonight. So for me, it's going to always be George Jefferson and Florence because Florence, oh my gosh, she was, she was the queen, the originator of the one-liners. That's me dropping the mic with Florence and, and George. Ooh, wow. Wow. Oh, I'm going to have to tear this whole thing down to you because <laughs> number one for me is Martin versus Pam. Like, I okay? I like come on down. Like this, this my whole like comedic, the little comedic value that I bring to this show on a daily basis. It starts from, it started there with me, with Mark. Like that dude, just from the, the Unbelievables to the BDBs, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, you got to extend it out a little bit. You can't just cut it short on the, the BDBs. Like, all of that stuff, like, all his mannerisms, all of that stuff, it just, it was just amazing the type of chemistry that I have. I know it was kind of like, you know, they were going at each, going at each other, so to speak, but just the, the, the chemistry that they had on camera, it was just... It just made you think like, wow, they literally don't like each other. Yes. But, you know, it's it, I mean, that's what it's about, the, the show is supposed to do. But, yeah, it was just that's just amazing. Number one for me. And uh, I got to go with Fred Sanford. Number two versus Esther, you know, like all of his like you said, that's the originator. I can't I can't move him no lower than that. Right. So yeah, yeah. and then when you talk about Kyle and Maxine, like I love that because that was my. 
way of showing how I like girls back in the day. You know what I mean? Like I would make <laughs> jokes, make fun yeah. of them. But you know, deep down I'm like, man, she cool. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, like, you know, that was the, that was kind of my my style right there. So I had to put them at um number three. And then, you know, no no shade against, you know, George Jefferson and Florence, but you know, hey, that what was else? You know, you know, saying like, but, but you know, I, I, I gotta go, gotta go, I gotta go with what you know, what made me feel something. You know what I'm saying? Like, I took, I, I took it with me. I still got it with me to this day. So, so Ooh, yeah. And can I just say this, Jarvis? What you got? Notice the difference in you know, everybody always asks me, well, why do you like the Jeffersons? Because they were living on the Upper East Side. So of course I would like Fuji Humor. I mean, of course I would. Yes, I knew that makes you laugh. The Absolutely, end. yes, yes. And I think that the, I think we'll end it right there on the, the Tanitra admitting that she's bougie. <laughs> yes, 30 minutes. It took 29 minutes and, and, and 30 seconds for her to finally admit to it. Yes, I appreciate that. And we appreciate you for uh, making ATL Day Ones your first listener of the day. And remember, we are free and available where Every download your podcast. Why don't you stop by Locked On Sports today and make that your second listen of the day? And like I said, find it where you ever find us. Like pretty simple, yeah. And you know we are free and available on YouTube as well. Now I do this each and every day, people. I only ask you one thing, you know, only one serious thing, you know, as we do, you know, on a daily basis. Make sure that you share love, show love, and most importantly, spread love.